kick us off, I just want to start with my first time hearing about the Holy Spirit. Okay, it was my first time, but it was my first time actually paying attention to what the guy was saying. And it was this guy, Mike Pilavachi. He was coming from over in Europe and he was speaking at CLA Young Adults. It was, their, it was their Holy Spirit conference. And he was like diving into stuff and like, mind you, this is like four years back. I'm like uh, probably a month into starting to follow Jesus. Like everything's new to me. I'm like, okay, I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit worked like this. He's also like a Pentecostal guy. So like the stories that he was saying, I was like, I did not realize that the Spirit did stuff like this. Like this is crazy. Like not really believing it, still pretty skeptical about it. I'm like, the Holy Spirit does what now? And he's like going into stuff. And there was this one story that stuck with me then and like really hit me. And it still hits me when I was listening back to it this past week as I was getting ready for tonight. And it went something like this. Where like Mike was leading a prayer meeting of like around 300 people. And he's like leading this prayer meeting and then this thought comes into his head. And the thought went something like this. Now there's someone in here who gets migraines on the left side of the brain. And they've been having them on and off since they were a little kid. And they're having one right now. And he's like, okay, God, is that you? Okay. Yeah, that's probably like a 50% chance that there's someone in here that's going to have a migraine. Like, I'll share it. Like, he was like, I'm feeling pretty confident. And then as God does, he like kind of slips something in there last minute. And like, bef- like Mike's one of those guys who just says whatever comes to his head. So before he could stop himself, he adds, oh yeah, and it has to do with your sister. And he's like, God, come on. Like, that's nobody in the room, for sure. So he's like kicking himself, he's like, my chances are zero now. And then he notices this woman who's crying in the front row. And he's like, hey, like, is that you? And she like nods her head yes, and he's like, okay, but the part about your sister, like what does that have to do with that? And she like looks at him and she goes, I was a part of an emergency birth, and that's actually why I have migraines on the left side of my head, it's because of brain damage. And on that same day, my twin sister died in the womb. And I've been living with 26 years of guilt, 26 years of guilt that she was the one that should have survived that day and I was the one that should have died. What do we do with stories like that? What do we do with stories where it's just so obvious that the Holy Spirit was speaking and moving through somebody? Where it's obvious that in Mike's life, he has maybe a different type of relationship with the Spirit than I do where I look at how I interact with the Spirit, how I interact with the Spirit, and it's like, okay, do I have stories of the Spirit moving and working in my life? Because I don't feel like most of us would say that we have a conversational relationship with the Spirit. At least I know I don't. When I, like, did a little self-reflection this past week, it, like, really convicted me. It's like, I want to have a relationship with the Spirit like Mike did. And when we look at Jesus in the Gospels, he says that the coming of the Spirit should actually be preferred to him being in here here with us in person, that we should get excited, we should look forward to the Spirit coming. And I don't know about you, but I would have way rather preferred Jesus being with, here us, with us today. Like doing life with Jesus, like we're buddies, we're hanging out, we're talking face to face. Like I'm like, okay, yeah, Jesus, I think you're a little bit out, out of touch with reality. That would have been way better than the Holy Spirit. Like I have the Holy Spirit now and I would prefer you. But maybe Jesus is put, trying to put his finger on something that maybe we're missing then maybe there's actually an invitation of the Spirit to, d- to have a different kind of relationship with the Spirit than the one that we have right now. And to that question, I want us to turn in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I mean, if you don't have a Bible, pretty sure there's a couple Christians around you who would love to share theirs with you. I'm totally joking, guys. You can feel free to laugh at that. Um, okay. 
So we, we'll be right there. And this, in this story, we come in halfway through a narrative where we meet Elijah. And Elijah is kind of this rock star prophet. He come, he's like just come off his, like, his moment of moments. Like it's his Oscar moment, like, like not a Will Smith Oscar moment. That's kind of awkward. But like his Oscar moment where it's like he actually, he, he, has, <laughs> he has this big moment where it's like he's an underdog. There's no way he should have won that. But then he ends up defeating the prophets of Baal put through a miraculous move of the Spirit of God, and that's where we come in. And it's a little bit of a long passage, so just stick with me. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran away and went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life, and I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under that bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him, saying, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent a night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God, I'm going to say it one more time. The Lord said, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram, Jehu son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat to succeed you as prophet. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha and threw his cloak around him. In this story, Elijah encounters the Spirit of God in a profound way. And I don't know about you guys, but I have similar thoughts to the ones that I had at the beginning where I kind of reject these types of stories, where it doesn't feel like I, it lines up to my reality of actually having moments where it feels like God is speaking to me. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you like God? Okay, not do you love him, because I understand he died on the cross for you, and like, that's great. But do you like him? Like, do you like spending time with him? Because I think to learn to like God, and even more than that, to encounter the Spirit of God, to encounter the Holy Spirit, we need to come to the end of ourselves just like Elijah did. I think we view our lives as our projects, where it's my goals, my dreams, and my New Year's resolutions, where everything starts with my, where I am in control, and I actually need God to make my dreams happen. See, we hear people who say, oh, God told me this, or God told me that. But then like, we do a little self-inventory, and that doesn't feel like our lived reality, where we can confidently say that the Spirit of God spoke to us. 
but would I even want God to speak to me about my life in the first place? Dallas Willard says that some people never encounter the Spirit of God because they fully intend to run their lives on their own and never seriously consider anything else. And an encounter with God and his voice would be an unwelcome intrusion into their plans. If I was planning my life and God said something, would I want to listen to him? Like if I had my goals and dreams and had my future all planned out, would I want to listen to God if he told me to do something else? Would I listen to him or would it be an unwelcome intrusion into the plans that I had already made? It's been said before that how you respond to an interruption is who you really are. And what happens if that interruption is God? What happens if that interruption, that moment of interruption comes from the spirit of God inviting into something different? Because how we respond to that shows that how much we actually love God in the first place. And if we look back in the story, God meets Elijah and asks this question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I think it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves when we come to God because it's a question of motive. Like, am I coming to God just to serve my own needs? Am I coming to God just for that little spiritual pick-me-up? Just to like, okay, God, I'm like really stressed right now. I'm like in the middle of exams. I don't think I'm going to be able to get through it. Give me a little bit of peace. Okay, peace. Okay, now I can continue and go on with my day and just like go 100 miles an hour. Is that God's desire for us? To just have little spiritual pick-me-ups throughout the day? Like what does it say about us and our confidence and trust in God? If after we pray, we are already busy trying to plan our own kind of answer to our prayer. What does it say about us that we want to be so in control that we don't actually give things over to God to actually just let him bring the outcome? In this story, Elijah is afraid, and he cries out to God in desperation. And I think we see something fascinating in this story is that desperation moves us away from this my life idea, or it has the possibility to, where desperation can move us to openness. And then openness can move us to surrender and then surrender to obedience, to actually be paying attention and following what God is calling us to. Okay, let me break it down like this. We can have two responses when fear, when fear and desperation hit us. And the responses are this. They're either that of Adam and Eve or that of Elijah. If we look at Adam and Eve in the garden, when they realize their sin, when they realize their brokenness, they hide from God, motivated by shame. Or, they, or there's the response of Elijah. Where in his fear, in his desperation, he moves towards God instead. And we read, now after eating and sleeping, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. See, Elijah knew his Bible. And he knew that Moses met with God face to face. And where does it say that Moses met with God face to face? On Mount Horeb, after a 40-day journey. So Elijah was probably like, okay, it works for Moses, it it can work for me too, right? And like he would have expected, like it's how God met with Moses is through a wind, through a fire, and through an earthquake. So Elijah was probably going things. He's like, okay, that's probably how God's going to meet me too. But then we read, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there came an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. See, God shows up to Elijah in the exact way that Elijah needed him to. Not in the big moment, but in the moment of intimacy. See, our God is a personal God. And when his spirit, or the way through which God interacts with the world, when his spirit shows up, he does so personally. See, for this topic, it is who is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is God's personal, relational 
presence. Let me say that one more time. The Holy Spirit is God's personal, relational presence. The Holy Spirit in this story reveals God to Elijah, reveals who he is, and he reveals God to be personal. Not some big guy up in the sky. He squashes that mixed conception. He squashes the conception that God doesn't actually realize what Elijah is going through. No, God met Elijah exactly the way he needed to. And to this, I, the story, uh, a story from Pete Gregg, a pastor. He was pastoring a church or visiting a church in New York City to preach there. And he was preaching at one of their campuses. And he comes to the end of his sermon. He goes, okay, guys, I know this has nothing to do with the sermon that I've just preached, but I can't stop shaking the feeling that there's someone in here who's self-conscious about their smile. And you're like, you hide it. Like every time you go out, you try and like shield your face. You like, don't let anyone see your teeth. I'm just, I feel like I'm supposed to share it because God's wanting to meet you in it to show you the love that he has for you. And he's like, I, like, I'm not really sure if this is a word for anybody because I shared it at your other campus this morning and no one ended up coming forward, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I needed to share it again. And like this guy like pops up and I mean like he hoofs it down to the front, like man, like bookies as fast as he can. And he like grabs Pete by the shoulders and like shakes him. He's like, I was there this morning. I was there this morning and you shared the word and I knew it was for me and I didn't end up coming forward and I left knowing I'd missed an encounter with the spirit of God and I went home and I was kicking myself. I was kicking myself and I made a deal with God being like, okay, if I go again and he shares it again, then I'll finally come forward. Then I'll finally go forward to the front and then I made it a trip an hour across town to hear the exact same message, the exact same message and you said it again. Village Young Adults, this is our God. This is the God that the Holy Spirit reveals. This is the God that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. It's a God who's personal. A God who meets us exactly where we're at. A God who meets us in the small moments, in anything that's stopping us from relationship with him. That's the God, who, that's the God that the Holy Spirit reveals to us in those moments. The Holy, Holy Spirit reveals God, a God who will come down to our level and meet us in something as small as a smile. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals God to us. And it reveals him to be a God who meets us exactly where we're at. Wherever we're coming from tonight, God wants to meet with you. God wants to meet you exactly with all the baggage. Anything that you'd be like, okay, this is going to stop me from relationship with him. No, he wants to meet you exactly in that thing. And the voice of the Spirit of God shows up to Elijah as a gentle whisper. And I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we expect the Spirit of God to show up in an obvious way. Like, okay, God will obviously make it clear to us when he's speaking to us. But when we look throughout scripture, we see that God yells at his enemies and he whispers to his friends. That he wants us to come in close as a friend would, lean into the conversation to actually listen to him. Where we need to draw in close to the Spirit to hear the voice of God. And one thing I've learned about prayer recently is that distraction is part of our life of prayer. That actually part of prayer is coming back over and over and over again every time we get distracted. And that every moment of distraction is an invitation of the Spirit to turn back to God. And if we look at the story of Elijah, God met Elijah exactly in his distraction. He's running away from Jezebel and he freaks out. And where does God meet him? Right there. I just want to say that God wants to meet us in our crazy, hectic, busy schedules right now in these moments of distraction. For us to actually give those moments over to him because all those are invitations from him. See, to develop a relationship with the spirit, we need to be in conversation with him. And to this, I just think of my relationship with my wife. 
Like if I was to be, if I wasn't in conversation with her, we wouldn't really have a relationship. Or if I was the only one doing talking, which is how we typically act in our relationship with God, where it's just us praying, I wouldn't actually know who she was. I wouldn't know her loves, what she dislikes, what gets under her skin, what she's dreaming about, what makes her scared, what her insecurities are. I wouldn't know those things if I didn't shut up and listen to her, if I didn't ask her questions. And it's not hard to listen to my wife because I'm in relationship with her, because there's that deep level, both of love and liking spending time with her. So it goes back to that motive question again, because I think this is a crude example of our relationship with God, of God's desire for our relationship with him. Like, are we actually spending time where we're listening to God? Like, I get that we're told to pray. Yeah, that, that is great. And like, of course, do that. But are we also listening to him? Because there's this joke that goes, why is it that when, God, when we are talking to God, when we, we are said to be praying, but if God speaks to us, we are said to be schizophrenic? <laughs> like, we have that moment. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, God told me. It's like, okay, that guy is weird. Okay. Like, I feel like we kind of have this cultural underlying assumption that it's like, okay, God speaks to that person. That guy's like a little bit odd. Why is that? Because I think maybe there's an invitation of the Spirit to squash that right now tonight. That God wants to speak to us and he wants to listen to us. That he actually wants us to develop a conversational relationship with him. So it is through closeness with the Spirit that Elijah then receives identity and direction of where to go and what to do. The Holy Spirit reveals the voice of God and reveals what God is about. The Spirit calls Elijah to go. It says, go back the way you came. Elijah didn't keep his spirituality in the place of encounter with God. He moved that place of encounter out and pushed the encounter out into the world to actually love those around him. And I think sometimes we compartmentalize our time. Where it's like, okay, I got my God time on one side. Where it's like, I got my like, Bible reading, maybe like a Jesus calling devotional or something. Got like church on Sunday, maybe young adults every once in a while. And then like my time over here. Where it's like, okay, I'll keep God time over there. And God, you don't interrupt on my time. But God wants all of our time. And if we look in the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament, there's no Hebrew word for the word spiritual. So it wouldn't be our spiritual life and then our life. No, it would just all be life. God wants all of our time. He wants all of our time to be moments of conversation with him, to have all of our time permeated by life with him. And one thing I've learned about the voice of the spirit is just how normal it sounds. Like it doesn't sound like, okay, like God's up in the sky being like, Matthew, thus saith the Lord, like do this thing now. I'm like, that's not what God sounds like. He speaks my language. He speaks your language. Each and every one of you, he speaks to you, to you in a unique way, in a way that you would understand. Actually, probably in a way that I wouldn't understand if I was you. And a lot of the times, just to kind of give you a window into my relationship with God, and I feel like this is similar for a lot of people, that it like the voice of the Spirit just shows up in that like random thought that comes to our head. Where it's like, oh, God, like, is that you? Like, it feels like a little bit outside of ourselves. Like, if I was to put the origin on the thought, it would be external to me versus internal in my head. Like, a couple of examples here from my life. Um, so, like, a couple of weeks ago, me and my wife, we were in Victoria, and we're walking around. And I, like, walked past this homeless guy and, like, had, like, a random thought where it was like, oh, you should buy him lunch. And it's like, okay. And that invitation spurred on the ability to ask his name and just make him feel loved and seen. Or it's through passages of scripture. 
where it feels like, okay, there seems to be a little bit of a theme kind of weaving its way through here, where it's like this thing, this thing, and this thing kind of all add up to like, okay, now I'm realizing something about the character of God that I didn't before, or who I am, or something that God's inviting me into. Or it's through friends being like, okay, you said the same thing as this person, as this person, and this person, and I know you didn't chat. So like, God, is that your voice trying to point out something to me? trying to actually point out something to me. And you actually have to have those moments where if we're not present to it, if we're not going over and reflecting on areas of our life, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss God speaking to us. So maybe it's actually more an invitation of being present and being aware to where he's moving. And I want to level with you guys. I get it wrong so many times. Like, like it's like nine times out of ten. Like it's bad. But one thing I've learned is that no one's going to die. I guess like I share the word, the only thing that's maybe going to die is my reputation for getting it wrong. Or like my ego, probably more my ego than my reputation because my reputation is small. So it's like just my ego. That's the only thing that's dying. That's the only thing that's dying when I share a word. But what actually what happens is that we learn the voice of the spirit through practice. And it's actually through actually taking those moments of obedience that we learn the voice of the spirit. We learn the voice to actually recognize, oh God, that is you. It's actually through practice that we do it. And if we don't do it, if you actually don't take that moment of obedience, you don't get to learn. You don't get to learn that if that thought was God or not. You don't get to learn that. Because we learn the voice, in, and in, we, in us learning the voice of the Spirit, we get to encounter God and loving those around us in so, so many ways. There's this story about Robert Mulholland, who's this writer, and he was over in Europe, and he was taking the metro train like during rush hour, which is like a terrible time. It was like one of Europe's biggest cities, and he's like on the platform. He's like waiting for the next train. He's like pushing people aside, and like the train pulls in the station. He's hoping it's not going to be full, and he like sees he's like okay, kind of looks half full, and he like goes up to the train, realizing okay, no, that train's 100% full. It's just that everybody's kind of pushed to the sides, and he's trying to figure out why. And then he like gets through the doors, and it's like this terrible smell. Like hits his nose. And he's like, oh, what? Like, what is that? And he's like looking around, scanning the crowd, trying to find out what it is. And then he sees a man. Just in the corner. Hunched over. Dirty. Disheveled. Throw up all over him. Throw up all over the metro. All over the train. Everybody trying to push their way to the corners to make sure they're as far away from the man as possible. And Mahan looks at him. And then he just ends up joining the crowd. And then a couple nights later... Mohan has this dream where it's like a super vivid dream and he's back on that train car. He's back on that train car and he's looking at the man and then the man looks up at him and it's Jesus with his eyes of love just looking at him with compassion. And then the, vo- the words of Matthew 25 just come to Mohan's head. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did to me. See, every invitation from the voice of the Spirit is always to love somebody. The voice of the Spirit always invites us to love those around us. And I want us to picture something. Okay, what you, everyone here is an accumulation of the people they spend time with. So when we spend time in relationship with the Spirit, we actually end up looking like Jesus. That it is through time spent with him that we start embodying the fruits of the Spirit. And that when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, none of those can be done without other people, without someone else. Like you can't just have, okay, I'm going to be a loving person without somebody to love. Like you need to have somebody to love for it to actually be love in the first place. Or like my favorite is patience. Like it's like the classic, oh God, I just pray for patience right now. 
and like he gives you five people to be patient with, and you're like, God, I didn't ask for that. Like, just give, make me a patient person without the people to be patient with. No, th- through the Holy Spirit, we actually have to have people to love in front of us, to actually have relationship with, to the, for the Holy Spirit to then impart itself into other people's lives through us. And the voice of the Spirit is always an invitation to trust. Like when God calls Elijah, go back the way you came. Remember, that's to Jezebel. And like that chick is crazy. Like she's out to get him. Like that would have taken so much trust if I was Elijah. Like that girl wants to kill Elijah. And God's like, yeah, go back to her. And he's like, excuse me? You want me to go back to the lady that's trying to kill me? Like that's a terrible idea, God. But no, Elijah trusts God. And in Elijah, we see that ruthless trust is always an invitation to risk. Where the invitations of the spirit of God are always with an invitation to risk alongside it. That faith is, has a risky component always. But I think that to live without risk is to risk not living. And even more than that, to live without risk is to risk not having any stories of the Spirit of God moving. So you might be asking yourself, why do I feel like I have no stories of the Spirit of God moving? And you don't have to like share that that's you right now. I'm not going to make you do that. But like, it might be because you're not actually in relationship with him. Where you're not actually being obedient to what the Spirit of God is calling you to. That like Dan and I were chatting a little while ago, and like he was he was mentioning that okay maybe people aren't hearing a fresh revelation of the Spirit because they're not being obedient to what the Spirit has already told them. And like I was like Dan, that is a good word. <laughs> and like that one still wrecks me. <laughs> to hear the voice of the Spirit, we need to first of all just spend time with Jesus, spend time at Jesus's feet, and I think this is best seen in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Over over time spent at the feet of Jesus, we learn the voice of the Spirit. That it's actually through time spent with Jesus, whether it's through scripture or through community with people, we learn the voice of the Spirit. And relationships take time. Like it's the classic, love is spelled T-I-M-E, but we don't actually apply that to our relationship with Jesus. Where we think, okay, my five minutes in the morning, that's enough to keep a relationship going. But that's not enough to actually develop a relationship with him. To actually do that, we're not going to be like pros at relationship with Jesus by next week. Like it's going to take a long amount of time to actually develop a relationship with him. Because relationships take time. And Jesus' invitation to Martha and and to us is to trust. It's actually to trust, to step out on a limb and be obedient to him, that his way of doing life is way better than anything we could have imagined. That that's where life is truly found. That actually the invitation of Jesus is to let go of control, to give everything over to him, to stop grasping at life, and to live the life that's truly life that's found in him. See, our constant need to be doing things to make our life as good as possible, or as comfortable as possible, or as easy as possible, is a show of our lack of trust in him. When we try and grasp at the world around us, when we try and control every situation, that's a show of how much we don't trust Jesus. And the invitation of the Spirit is to trust in him instead. 
to risk everything on him. And I don't know about you, but after hearing a message like tonight, I'd be like, okay, Matt, solid message, but like I have massive intentions, like great intention, but I'll have zero follow through because I have no way of applying this. Like no way to actually do this in my day-to-day life tomorrow. So I want to give you guys two different ways of applying this tomorrow morning that you can feel free to use. Those are free. You don't have to pay me. That's like, great. These ones are for free for you guys. The first one is win the day. And the second one is centering down. So for win the day, it's just taking three moments of five minutes where the first five minutes, we just listen to the spirit of God. We just invite the Holy Spirit in and it's like, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And we just receive whatever comes. Then the second five minutes is through scripture. Five minutes in scripture, asking for the spirit of God to highlight a verse for us, for then for us to take that verse out into the day. And then the third five minutes is for us to just intercede for the world, that the spirit of the world would actually bring revival to the world. And then the second practice is centering down. We're just taking moments throughout our day and maybe it's through a reminder app on our phone where we just center back down into where the spirit of God is. Because the spirit of God is always present. It's us that's running through life, not aware of him. So actually taking moments throughout our day of centering back down into him will be moments that we realize where he's been moving, where he's been moving already and be able to listen to him, to hear his voice. And to end, I want to just let you guys know of one of my first times hearing from the Holy Spirit. And it was back at that Holy Spirit conference that I was talking about with Mike Pilavachi. And he was diving into things and he was coming to the end of his message. And he goes, okay, I want to take some time and I just want you guys to invite the Holy Spirit in. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit in right now. And then after like five, 10 minutes, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit what he's speaking to you and then speak that out as confirmation. And I'm like, Mike, that would be a great trick if you could do that. It's like, that'd be amazing. So like, I'm like kind of pushing it aside, but I'm like, okay, I'll humor him. I'll do it. I'm like, God, okay, we're doing this thing together. Like I'm a month into following you. What would you have me do with my future? And like, first thought, find to church. I'm like, God, we're, that's, yeah, that's no, like hard pass. Like that's like probably like I'm in a church. That's probably why I'm thinking that. Like, yeah, didn't like fully dismiss God. And like Mike starts going around. He starts saying things and like the, they're like stupid specific. Like it's like, okay, there's a guy here in the front row and like you've had pain in your left knee since you were free and like the guy gets up and you're like, oh, okay. And then he like starts going around and he's like someone in here, you've asked God about your future and he's calling you to plant a church. And I'm like, okay. Like I like start like, I like freeze up, start sweating. Like my shirt is damp, it's not good. Like I am sweating so bad. And then the next one he goes, there's someone in here who feels stuck and wet. Mike? So I started smacking my buddy. I'm like, okay, I need prayer or healing or something. I don't know. Something's weird going on with me. I'm like, why do I share that? Oh, yeah, it's because, like, was that enough to realize that that was the voice of God? You would think so. No, I dismissed it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was probably God just inviting me to take another religious studies class. That makes sense. So I, I dismissed it, pushed it away, like, didn't really think about it. But then over, like, the next eight to nine months, I had, like, three people who haven't met before, haven't met since who like come up to me and be like, hey, do you believe in words from God? And like, you're called to plant a church or you're called into ministry or you're called to be a pastor. And like eventually get to the point where, okay, I'm like, I'm not being obedient, God. I understand what you're trying to get me to do. But like, why do I share that with you guys tonight? And I share it because of this, that hearing God's voice isn't for the spiritual elite. 
Like guys, I'm a month into following Jesus. There was no reason that the spirit of God should have spoke to me. Like I was a complete wreck living in sin. Like I had no qualification for God's voice speaking to me. And just like, look how much of a fool I was. Like I'm pushing his side being like, oh yeah, God, that's not you. Like God voice, God's spirit wants to meet with each and every one of us. Like there's no higher key to like the spirit only speaks to the people on the top. Wherever you're at tonight, maybe you don't even know who Jesus is. God's voice wants to speak with you tonight. And the last thing is that the spirit of God knows Elijah's name. And maybe that's a word for somebody tonight, that he knows my name and he knows your name. And maybe he's inviting you to follow him in a new way tonight. Do you think that you will get to heaven and regret that you spent too much time spent too much of your time and energy chasing after the voice of the Spirit. Spent too much time with God. Because I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's pray.